0: episode 36, The Truth About Billionaires. Before we get started, I want to ask you to do me a favor and share the show. If you're on Facebook or Twitter and the topics such as the Electoral College, abortion, socialism, the Federal Reserve, the Constitution, or bashing of billionaires comes up, please share the Truth Quest episode. If you are listening to this on the Apple Podcast app, please take a moment to scroll down on the podcast page and give it a five-star rating. Another way you can help grow the show is to throw a small donation my way at the Truth Quest patronage page. See the show notes page at truthquest.podbean.com for that link. The easiest way to stay up to date on the podcast is to subscribe to it on iTunes or Google Play Music. It's also available on Stitcher, Spotify, Podbean, and YouTube. And finally, please join the conversation at Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Podcast. So in Episodes 31 and 32, The Truth About Socialism, Parts 1 and 2, I explained how during this build-up to the 2020 presidential election, we are in for quite a showdown with socialism. The Democratic Party appears to be all-in, as no prominent leaders in that party offer any moderating voices. So you better be ready to rebut their hateful cries for socialism as they play on the worst of human emotions. Greed, resentment, jealousy, envy in class warfare their calls for free stuff their demonization of wealth and prosperity it's going to be relentless speaking of the demonization of wealth and prosperity that's where today's episode comes in call it damn those billionaires we are told their very existence is immoral and evidence of policy failure we are told that they are hoarding their money no one deserves a billion dollars no one needs billions of dollars we are told to hate these people because of what they have. The demonization of billionaires is just pandering at its worst by politicians that have nothing of value to offer. As is often the case with claims made by loony and disjointed leftists, the opposite is actually true. Think about it. The existence of a 3 cum fortune is not a sign of failure, but of supreme policy success. Not to mention the fact that these class warfare warriors never take a step back and self-reflect or critically examine their emotional chance of demonizing the rich. After all, they tell us not to judge, right? Don't judge people's sexual preference. Don't judge their gender identification. Don't judge women who abort babies. Yet here they are judging people simply by the amount of their net worth. Seems very judgmental to me. Question for skeptics. You say no one deserves a billion dollars. Where is the line in someone's net worth whereby they will not draw your hateful scorn? How much is too much? For those of you who have listened to some of my earlier podcasts, I introduced a concept called the dirty half dozen. These are uh, the dishonest tactics employed by the left to divert your attention away from the truth and to push their policy agenda. As a reminder, they are, number one, malice or name-calling, number two, ignorance, These are relatively self-explanatory, but best encapsulated by this quote by Winston Churchill who said, The truth is incontrovertible. Malice may attack it, ignorance may deride it, but in the end, there it is. Number three in The Dirty Half Dozen is emotional arguments and bias. So this is the idea that if you have the truth on your side, you pound the truth. If you don't have the truth on the side, you pound the table and you pound it loudly by making emotional arguments. Number four of The Dirty Half Dozen is the stiff arm, and as Greg Kokel once said if someone is determined to stick to bias instead of facts then there's not much i have to say to him he is stumbling over an obstacle he has placed in the way himself kokol also said quote, "intellectual honesty requires us to consider all of the relevant evidence not just the, that which squares with our predisposed worldview number 5 is propaganda lies and deception we're all familiar with that and number 6 is the reason i'm bringing you to this point is Drawing arbitrary lines. So you have to ask these folks how much is too much? By the way, they will they will never give you an answer. Abortion is okay in the first trimester. Well why not at birth? Oh, never mind. New York State just passed a law allowing that. Minimum wage is another example. They say twelve fifty an hour, fifteen dollars an hour, well, why not twenty five or a hundred? The same applies here. What's so god awful about one million dollars? Why not go with the Austin Powers? One million dollars. Draw that line in the sand. It's an arbitrary line in the sand used to stir up the jealousy, envy, and resentment of the Democrats' base. It's disgusting. The fact is, for us Americans, we see a rich guy driving around in a really nice car or being driven around in one of his many nice cars. We look outside and we see our pretty good car. We see the rich guy walking around in one of his really nice houses while we have one modest home. But, both of you have electricity and running water in a climate-controlled environment, internet, cable, easy access to affordable fuel supply, food, etc. Yet, we have politicians advocating that you hate that rich guy. Why? Liberals are in the habit of pointing to Europe as as the way things should be. They are particularly fond of the perceived socialistic Nordic countries like Sweden and Norway. They point to the Netherlands, Canada, and New Zealand as worthy of emulation. As you might expect, just like in America, the typical citizen of these countries is as well off as human beings have ever been. But did you know there are billionaires in all those places? Beloved Sweden has more billionaires per capita than the United States. As a matter of fact, billionaires per capita are led by Belgium, Japan, New Zealand, and Australia. This is just further proof of liberals' effort to divide and conquer the electorate along any lines they can think of, regardless of the facts. They play on the ignorance of of the base to swallow whatever they shovel their way hook, line, and sinker. Rather than demonizing the wealthy, they should be applauded. Do these lefties ever stop to think what it takes to become a billionaire? Have you ever considered the millions of lives they must have improved in order to accumulate such massive wealth? According to William House, a Nobel Prize-winning economist, he said innovators capture about 2% of the economic value they create. The rest of it accrues to consumers. That's you and me. Whatever that is, it's not a raw deal. The accumulation of these innovations over time is the mechanism that drives compounding economic growth, which accounts for a vast improvement over the past 100 years in the typical American standard of living. He continued, Some people may have made an ungodly sum in the course of helping make this humanitarian miracle happen, but that's okay. As columnist John Tamney said in a recent article, The act of becoming incredibly rich is nearly always evidence of an individual vastly improving the lives of others. So think about the standard of living of the millions, maybe billions of people that have been raised by the work of these demonized billionaires. Think about all the benefits that you and I enjoy on our everyday lives that are the result of the efforts of billionaires. Capital structure, convenience, furniture, electricity, HVAC, cars, the internet, social media platforms, your TV, your cell phone, your tablet, your laptop, software, free shipping on an endless list of products. I mean, there's your free stuff, Bernie. All you socialists want free stuff? There's a list of virtually free stuff that billionaires have brought to us. Okay, I'm out of breath. Back to that stat I just mentioned about 2%. How much value must you create in order to reach billionaire status using Norhouse's stat? 50 billion. 2% of 50 billion is 1 billion. So think about that. It's virtually impossible to measure the value to society that a single billionaire brings. Jeff Bezos, Warren Buffett, Bill Gates, Mark Zuckerberg, Dave Koch. David Koch uh, shares majority control of Koch Industries' U.S.'s second-largest private firm, with his brother, Charles. They're the ones that the Koch brothers. They're always being demonized in the press. What about Larry Ellis at Oracle and the productivity gains due to his efforts? Or Larry Page, the co-founder at Google? What about the Walton family? I mean, Walmart, you got to be kidding me. There's philanthropy and charitable na- donations and foundations. If you continue down the Forbes list of billionaires, there are undoubtedly some cronies and likely crooks, but that goes for any income level. I mean, Amazon employs 600,000 people. Microsoft, 131,000. Coke Industries, 120,000. Walmart employs two million people. Think about the value and productivity that these companies have injected into the economy for decades. It's hard, no, I take that back. It's impossible for me to buy the argument that the very existence of billionaires is bad. The argument itself is childish and immature. How can billionaires be bad? Did you know the vast majority of billionaires are self-made, meaning they did not inherit it? No silver spoons. A large percentage of billionaires in this country earn their wealth through entrepreneurship. They saw a need. They risked their money, their capital, and invested their time to meet the need better than anyone else. By enriching the lives of others, by meeting the needs of complete strangers, they have been able to enrich themselves. Please someone explain to me why that's bad. Why those people need to be punished with punitive taxes. Why? So let's quickly dispense of this immorality claim. So some prominent Democrats claim it is immoral to be a billionaire. They say allowing billionaires to exist while some Americans live in abject poverty is immoral. My first question is, what does one have to do with the other? The existence of really rich people has nothing to do with poor people. It's quite the opposite. Rich people employ poor people. They shop from poor people. My second question for these people is, can you please define morality? Leftists are very good at making up their own definitions. Think about climate change, marriage, fair share, and abortion. Morality is no different. They define it. They redefine it. So how does the level of wealth become a moral issue to these folks? Morals tend to be looked at as right or wrong or harming somebody. How does a large number of zeros at the end of someone's net worth hurt someone else? Hell, they even argue that it's more important to be morally right than factually correct. Hell's bells. They make up their own definitions and they don't worry about being factually correct? At the end of the day, comments like that just prove that these people are morally bankrupt. And by moral, I mean, quote, of or relating to principles of right and wrong and behavior, ethical, conforming to a standard of right behavior, sanctioned by or operative on one's conscience or ethical judgment, virtuous. It's not my definition of morality, it's Merriam-Webster's. What definition of morality says that it's moral to take something from someone else under penalty of jail and giving it to someone else? Wealth confiscation is theft. Theft is illegal and immoral. You know what's immoral? Peddling a message that plays on the electorate's most deep-seated destructive emotions of envy, jealousy, and resentment. Those who stoke the flames of class warfare are evil, plain and simple. They want to divide Americans, drive a wedge between as many of us as possible. That's immoral. There's nothing ethical about it nothing virtuous about it and nothing beneficial to anyone. So what about the economically ignorant claim that rich people hoard their money? John Tammy said this, What makes the rich crucial to progress is that they, quite simply, cannot spend it all. That they can't means that, short of stuffing their wealth under mattresses, they must invest what's not taken. And that's the beauty of keeping taxes on them as low as possible. So what I mean by economically ignorant is Rich people don't hoard money. There really is no such thing as hoarding money. You don't think they make capital improvements on their businesses? You don't think they have expenses to maintain their investments? What about their six homes, their 12 cars, their yacht, their helicopter, and their private plane? Who do they buy those from? Who built all of their toys? Who maintains them? Is this really that difficult of an economic riddle to solve? If there's no rich people, that means fewer jobs for the non-rich. Several years ago, a yacht tax was passed to get more money out of these dastardly rich people. Well, guess what happened? Yacht makers went out of business, and thousands of non-rich people who worked at the yacht makers lost their jobs because a certain segment of politicians have nothing of value to offer their constituents other than class warfare, jealousy, envy, and resentment. Question for skeptics. What if the rich do, in a sense, hoard their money by letting it sit in a bank account? What happens then? Come on, you can do it. You can tell me what happens to those hoarded dollars. I get it. If you answer the question, it destroys your argument. So I'll tell you. It gets loaned out to other people. If those hoarded dollars were not in a bank, there would be less money to invest in the economy. Oh, and by the way, consumption does not drive an economy. You can't grow an economy by using stuff up because without production of those consumables there is no economy production and productivity drives the economy you ever heard of venture capital firms a lot of tech billionaires start them what do they do they invest in startups that are looking to bring a new technology or a new product to the market to fit a perceived need in the market to what make our lives better more productive more fulfilled the rich also give shitloads of money to charity. They start foundations that help millions of people. They build hospital wings with their name on them. Think old school. What about the likes of Carnegie, Vanderbilt, Schwab, Rockefeller, Mellon, Stanford? They What did they contribute to this society? Then throw in the likes of Buffett, Gates, and their contemporaries. By the way, if all the billionaires did hoard their dollars, literally put them in vaults, or under the proverbial mattress, what would happen to the money supply? It would shrink. So in theory, prices would drop. There would be less dollars in circulation. Therefore, prices would fall. It's the opposite of inflation, whereby the Fed has increased the money supply exponentially over the years. The result is higher prices for everyone, from a gallon of milk to a car. What we are witnessing is a modern day witch hunt. But rather than the ultimate goal being execution, it is the expropriation and redistribution of wealth. So I want you to follow this analogy. Witches, or billionaires, are a plight on society. Their corruption and immorality are self-evident to the righteous. They are evidence of our sin as a population. Witches, or billionaires, harness the power of Satan, or money, for their own evil gains at the expense of the good. God-fearing, hard-working Americans. We must purge them from our ranks, lest we fall prey to their wicked ways. Only through torture or taxation may their souls escape damnation and our own civilization be saved. Burn the witch. Soak the rich. I took that from a fee.org article that'll be in the show notes page. Question for skeptics. Do you have any problems with billionaires such as George Soros, Michael Bloomberg, Oprah Winfrey, Michael Jordan, Bob Johnson, or Robert Smith? Think about Oprah for a minute. Her success is the American dream, and leading Democrats want to crush it. Did you know the net worth of the 550 U.S. billionaires is $2.5 trillion combined? Confiscating 100% of their wealth raises enough money to run the federal government for less than eight months. Barking up the wrong tree, Democrats, you should be reducing federal spending, not demonizing the people who pay for all of your ballooning, repetitive, economy-restricting programs. What about the freeloader comment? Take this economically ignorant statement from presidential candidate Senator Elizabeth Warren. Quote, I want these billionaires to stop being freeloaders. End quote. What in God's name is she talking about? Well, invariably, her shtick ends up calling for them to pay more taxes because, you know, they're freeloading. They're not paying enough. But do you th- ever think she stopped to consider all the amazing benefits betrothed to the mankind by these people? No. You think she cares? Hell no. If she did, she loses her ability to demonize a portion of the population and get votes. This same economically challenged senator recently proposed a 2% wealth tax on the ultra-wealthy. Her proposal was to assess that tax every year. Not just once, but annually. There is no other term to describe that proposal but theft. She wants to continually drain the productive economy of its stored wealth. It's the equivalent of the required minimum distribution, which forces retirees to receive distributions from their retirement accounts in order to ensure that the federal government gets its grubby hands on those income taxes. Murray Rothbard famously said, It is no crime to be ignorant of economics which is, after all, a specialized discipline and one that most people consider to be a dismal science, but is totally irresponsible to have a loud and vociferous opinion on economic subjects while remaining in this state of ignorance, End quote. Well, the shit that comes out of the mouths of Democratic presidential candidates and freshman congresswomen from Brooklyn are the very definition of what Rothbard was talking about. We hear the fair share and the give back arguments from these same economically ignorant people, These billionaires have already paid their fair share. They pay taxes while they built and operated their businesses. The people who bought their products paid sales tax. They employ millions of people who, in turn, pay what? Yeah, income taxes. They don't owe society anything. They have contributed well more than millions of other citizens combined. I want to leave you with one final thought that will hopefully put the final nail in the billionaires our bad coffin. Consider the whole Democratic talking point rage about tax cuts for the rich. Number one, you can only give a tax cut to those people who pay taxes. Close to 50% of Americans pay zero income taxes. So you eliminate half right off the bat. If you don't pay a tax, you cannot benefit from a tax cut. That's just simple logic something the left-wing typically shies away from. I want to walk you through an argument laid out by uh, author and columnist John Tamney, who I've already quoted a couple times. So you think about tax cuts for middle earners versus ones for the wealthy. With the former, most of the newfound money will be spent. I mean, some of it will be saved, which will be available to be loaned out by financial institutions and therefore stimulate the, con- the economy. However... Tax cuts for those who already have life's necessities and luxuries covered will almost always result in those dollars being allocated towards today's and tomorrow's companies. That's your growth. That's your broad job opportunity. That's your huge chunk of charitable giving. Yet the Democratic Party is hell-bent on demonizing these people in order to prey on our most basic negative instincts of jealousy, envy, and resentment as a way of garnering votes. Please join the conversation on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash